0: Today we would like to talk about do we we make rational or emotional decisions? We have Michael Hotspur, who is a cross-cultural coach from High Mountain Products, and John Rewain, who is a business coach from Achieve Your Dreams, to help shed some light on this topic. We are both dedicated to assisting anyone who has been caught up in the aftermath of social isolation. In universities, the tone Homo economicus is taught in economics. According to Wikipedia, this describes the term. The term Homo economicus, or economic man, is a portrayal of humans as agents who are consistently rational, narrowly self-interested, and who pursue their subjectively defined ends optimally. It's a word play on Homo sapiens, used in some economic theory theory, and in pedology. In game theory homo economicus is often modeled through the assumption of perfect rationality. It assumes that agents will always act in a way that maximize utility as a consumer and profit as a producer and are capable of arbitrarily complex Reductions were the end. They will always be careful of thinking through all possible outcomes and choosing that course of action which will result in the best
1: possible result. This may not be totally true. According to Professor Kahneman <coughs> and his late colleague Amos Tversky, we actually have two systems of thinking. <coughs> There's the deliberate, logical part of your mind that is capable of analyzing a problem and coming up with a rational answer. This is the part of your mind that you are aware of. It's expert at solving problems, but it's slow, requires a great deal of energy, and is extremely lazy. Even the act of walking is enough to occupy most of your attentive mind. But then there is another system in your mind that is intuitive, fast, and automatic, This fast way of thinking is incredibly powerful, but totally hidden. It is so powerful, it is actually responsible for most of the things that you say, do, think, and believe. Emotion is inextricably linked to to and necessary for decision making. We need emotion to make decisions. If we lacked feeling, as certain brain-damaged patients do, we would become incapable of making a decent decision. Dr. Antonio Damasio, a neuroscientist and professor at USC and the Salk Institute, developed his somatic marker hypothesis to describe how visceral emotion supports our decisions. His theory defines the amygdala, the seat of our most primitive emotions, and the orbital frontal cortex, the brain region most closely linked to decision-making, as intrinsic to a neural circuit critical for judgment and decision-making. Nature appears to have built the apparatus for rationality not just on top of the apparatus of biological regulation, but also from it and with it. He wrote in his book Descartes' Error. Emotion and feeling act as the bridge between rational and non-rational processes. And effective decision-making, as he sees it, would not be possible in the absence of emotional input to provide both motivation and meaning. He derived this theory from various experiments and experiences with patients. His most famous patient, Elliot, was a successful businessman who underwent neurosurgery for a tumor and suffered damage to his brain. Thereafter, the man was devoid of emotion. Yet, instead of making him a rational decision-maker, he became incapable of making even small decisions without endless deliberation. Despite retaining a high IQ, he experienced a kind of emotional paralysis, and his business and marriage collapsed around him. Again, according to Professor
0: Daniel Kahneman, if we think we have reasons to what we believe, that is often a mistake. Our beliefs and our wishes and our hope are not always anchored in reason. Since Kahneman and Tversky first investigated this radical picture of the mind, the list of identified cognitive biases of mushrooms, the present bias calls us to pay attention to what is happening now, but not to worry about the future. If I offer you half a box of chocolates in a year's time, or a whole box in a year and a day, you'll probably choose to work the extra day. But if I offer you half a box of chocolates now, and a whole box of chocolates tomorrow, you'll most likely take the half box of chocolates now. It's the same difference. But waiting an extra day in a year's time seems insignificant. Waiting a, na- a day now seems impossible, when faced with the immediate promise of chocolates. According to Professor Dan Erley from Duke University in North Carolina, this is one of the most important biases. That's the bias that causes things like overeating and smoking and texting and driving and having unprotected sex, he explained. Confirmation bias is the tendency to look for information that confirms what we already know. It's why we tend to buy a newspaper that agrees with our views. There's the hindsight bias, the halo effect, the spotlight effect, loss aversion, and the negativity bias. This is a bias that means that negative events are far more easily remembered than positive ones. It means that for every argument you have in a relationship, You need to have five positive memories just to maintain an even keel. The Catholic Church was very quick to understand that, although many years before the science could verify it. They realised it was much easier for people to remember the torture of everlasting fire in hell than it was to imagine living in bliss in heaven, especially when most people had very arduous lives. And so they use the threat of hell as a disincentive to sin.
1: Dr. Laurie Santos, a psychologist at Yale University, has been investigating how deep-seated these biases really are. Until we know the evolutionary origins of these two systems of thinking, we won't know if we can change them. Dr. Santos taught a troop of monkeys to use money. It's called monkeynomics. And she wanted to find out whether monkeys would make the same stupid decisions as humans. She taught the monkeys to use tokens to buy treats and found that monkeys also show loss aversion, making the same mistakes as humans. Her conclusion is that these biases are so deep rooted in our evolutionary past, they may be impossible to change. What we learn from the monkeys is that if this bias is really that old, if we really have had this strategy for the last 35 million years, simply deciding to overcome it is just not going to work. We need other ways to make ourselves avoid some of these pitfalls, she explained. We may not be able to change ourselves, but by being aware of our cognitive limitations, we may be able to design the environment around us in a way that allows for our likely mistakes. Naturally, marketers weren't slow on picking up on this, and so offer immediate delivery, in stock now and get yours now. According to Jim Kemp, even even with what we believe are logical decisions, the very point of choice is arguably always based on emotion. This finding has enormous implications for negotiation professionals. People who believe that they, that, uh, believe they can build a case for their side using logic alone are doomed to be poor negotiators. They need to articulate the underlying factors that are driving the other party to come to a decision. Think of a situation where you had bulletproof facts, reason, and logic on your side and believed there was an absolute no way the other person could say no to your perfectly constructed argument and proposal. To do so would be impossible, you figured, because there was no other logical solution or answer. And then the other person dug in his heels and refused to budge. He wasn't swayed by your logic. Were you flabbergasted? This is similar to what many negotiators do when they sit down at the table to hammer out a deal. They come armed with facts, and they attempt to use logic to sway the other party. They figure that by piling on the data and using reason to explain their side of the situation, they can construct a solution that is simply irrefutable and get the other party to say yes. They're doomed to fail, however, because decision-making isn't logical. It's emotional, according to the latest findings in neuroscience.
0: Viscous feelings, how our brain makes decisions. According to, to George flowerstein on the pressure of stage, it is our amygdala, the emotional centre of the brain, that takes control. Even out of thinking brain, the New York cortex is still analysing and coming to a decision. Here his colleagues have suggested that people react to risk at two levels by evaluate, evaluating them in a dispassionate way, but also at an emotional level. This is story, Austerity Grows in Greece by AAP. He called this the risk of feelings thesis. He argued we overact emotionally to new risks, which are often low probability events, and underreact to those events which are familiar, although these events are more likely to occur. So as Wallerstein explained, this is why people seem to initially override, overreact to of terrorism in the years immediately following 9-11 and the Bali bombings, but tend to underreact to much more familiar and likely risk of talking on a mobile phone while driving and wearing seatbelts. More and more, psychologically, psychological and neurological science is discovering that much of our decision making is made at an unconscious and emotional level. What we are now finding is that when we are thinking about mundane and simple, such as small calculations, the brain areas associated with rational planning, such as the prefrontal cortex, tend to be more active. In areas of our life where the cognitive bias is called most green, is anything to do with money. It was for his work in this area that Professor Kahneman was awarded the Nobel Prize, not for psychology, no such part exists, but for economics. His insights led to a whole new branch of economics, behavioural economics. Kahneman realised that we respond very differently to losses than to gains. We feel that the, loss, the of the loss, the pain of a loss, much more than we feel the flavour of a game. Even worked out by how much. If we lose 10 pounds a day, you would feel the pain of the loss. But if you find some more tomorrow, you would have to find more than 20 pounds to make up the loss of 10 pounds. This is loss of burden, and its cumulative effect can be catastrophic. One difficulty with traditional economic view is that it tends to assume that we all make rational decisions. The reality seems to be very different. Behavioral economics are trying to form an economic system based on the re- reality of how we actually make
1: decisions. So to sum up, this is what we covered today. Homo economicus, faster emotions, slower rational rationale, people with brain damage. When we want something we want it now religions uses of this the thought of hell is much is much worse than heaven we take risks gambling driving too fast health risks we may make unhealthy decisions overeating lack of exercise our brains may be wired from 35 million years ago marketers take advantage of this negotiators with logic will lose under stress we reverse the oldest part of the brain if we listen to the mass media, we begin to believe something terrible will happen and ignore familiar fa- risks. Losing money is most painful. Losing is worse than winning something almost double. Thanks, Michael. That sounds
0: terrific, for great advice. Thanks for coming in to assist. We do make rational or emotional decisions. You really covered this subject well.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, John. Uh, could you give our listeners your contact details?
0: John, it's John at
1: What about you, Uh You can reach me at highmountainproducts.com. dot com. Okay,
0: thanks again, Michael.
1: All right, Bye. thanks, John. Bye.